Only the faithful! You're listening to the Sprues and Brews podcast, your weekly podcast looking at all things Warhammer. Hello and welcome to episode 154 of the Sprues and Brews podcast. My name is Dave and I'm joined once again by Matt. Hello. Jay. Oh. And Andy. Good evening, chaps. I'll tell you oh, what. York's it, gone. Where's York? Oh, yeah, I know he's gone, hasn't he? Uh, I can do the York if you want. If you really, really, really want. Please, me. please, no. No, no, no. Please, no. If you're going to do the York, someone needs to do Yarrick. Then we can have, like, Yarrick and the York on the podcast every week. Imagine it's going to turn a bit Alan Partridge, isn't it, with, like, Camp David and whatnot? Yeah. <laughs> We're that now taking, I'm vetoing that immediately. <laughs> So we're not taking auditions for Yarrick then? Is that is that definitely definitely a no? <laughs> I can practice Yarrick if you want. I mean, I can just do both. Yeah, just do both. <laughs> Excellent. Um, well, yes, it's a brand new um, episode of the show. And I tell you what, guys, it was great actually seeing you all in person at Warhammer World on Wednesday. I know, what madness is this? <laughs> So we, we will chat about this probably as we, we go through our hobby updates, but uh, we did actually all meet up and play some uh, games of Warhammer 40,000 on Wednesday, which was really, really good fun. Um, so, yeah, we'll chat about that during our hobby updates uh, as we progress through the podcast. But the main section this week is not 40k. It is Age of Sigmar. It seems like quite a long time ago now since we had the new edition of Age of Sigmar. It's been a couple of months, hasn't it? It has been a couple of months, yeah. But we finally have the first two battle tomes to grace the new edition of the game. And this week, we're going to be focusing our efforts on the Stormcast Eternals, Sigmar's finest. Matt has the book in his hands. Um, We're going to be talking a lot about dragons and about lightning and about punting things in the face with gold armor. Um, So, yeah, that's going to be our main focus this week. Um, In view of the two new battle tomes, of course, we've got the Auric War Clans as well, which we'll talk about next week. Uh, we are going to be talking about our top three units from across the Oryx and the Stormcast. So a, a bit of a two for one, um, because I've got a list for each of them. I'm, I'm, I'm sure you guys have done exactly the same thing. Um, I've I've got a mixed list, to be fair. Oh, have you? Okay. It was a top three, not a top six. Okay. Um, th- this th- this is true. I could condense them, but that's really difficult, Matt. I might have to condense them into a top three overall then, uh, if that's the general consensus. But... We have got some community top picks uh, later on in the show, and I'm pretty sure I had a quick look and I saw somewhere that they've got top three Stormcats and top three Oryx. So we'll make it work. We'll make it work. <laughs> uh, we'll also be chatting about all the latest news from the worlds of Warhammer uh, from the last week. So uh, that's all to look forward to. Before we get stuck into all of that, though, let's talk about what we've been doing in the hobby this week. So, Jay, do you want to start us off? Uh, yeah, cool. I um, So after a week off being on holiday not doing any hobby for like 10 12 days i i've come back i've done tons of hobby this week um so we were going to warham world on wednesday and i was umming and ahhing about what armies to take i decided to take the adeptus custodies and i decided to add a new unit a telemon heavy dreadnought um that was when did we go wednesday that was tuesday afternoon so tuesday afternoon i put it all together properly sprayed it and painted it tuesday night and got that done so a telemon dreadnought has been painted um yeah uh, on top, and he's quite expensive points wise. That's a, you know that's a good chunk of it. If you're trying to pay a thousand point army, a Telemon Dreadnought's a good place to start. Just under three hundred points. Um, then uh, on the podcast 
not the podcast the, i get confused now of all the different things we do the painting stream so i think on the previous painting stream we got talking somehow in between marvel and all the other stuff we normally talk about um battlefleet gothic and and i yeah. I, I have a big um metal um battlefleet gothic eldar fleet with some four drilled resin ships actually that i i bought oh man i don't know 20 years ago maybe maybe over 20 years ago now um and they've had three or four different paint jobs on them over the years as well i decided no i'm going to strip them all down tidy them all up snap them all apart take all the glue off put them back together and get a really nice looking battlefleet gothic El- corsair eldar fleet um so for the last couple of days i've been doing that um soaking them in brown dettol uh, that's been taken i've had to do that twice so four hours soaking brown dettol then a- a- about an hour and a half scrubbing them all because i've got a lot i've got um oof, the, i think i told about 2200 points worth of eldar corsair battlefleet gothic which is oh man i don't know talking over 20 ships um scrubbed them all then put them back in a dettol bath for another four hours took them all out scrubbed them again and they've come out really really nice um the next thing i need to do is um really really shiny like proper shiny metal like as if they're brand new out of the blister um i need to drill all the old plastic flight stands that have snapped off over the years out out of them as well with, with a small hand drill um and then um i need to the i've got some resin ships which they they are working the brown dettol is taking the paint off them it's just taking a bit longer and a bit more scrubbing to get the paint completely off the resin ship so i've got three of the um forge world light cruisers so that's been going on on one side of the kitchen uh, and then on the other side of the kitchen has been um horus heresy so i picked up a um horus heresy uh, it's i think it's called an arquitor or, or arbitor or something like that it's the um really cool it's the recent tank that they've released for the legions of stars it looks yeah, like the artillery one isn't it yeah it, it looks like the plague burst crawler from the nurgle um death guard army the, the latest death guard book um, but obviously before it got corrupted and turned into a demon engine so it's that sort of silhouette with the artillery on the back um so that is currently in um different pots soaking in um soapy water ready to scrub i'm going to try and get that sort of started to get built tomorrow um i've been working on some dark angels interemptors so just um getting them all on the bases getting the bases done ready to spray um and then i've been painting a primark so i've had the lion the first primark for a while now um he was sort of half built i finished building him in sub assemblies and i've started putting some paint down on him um and he's been a really good model actually because on the warhammer plus Masterclass uh videos they've done two videos they've done a faces video which i know matt's been playing around with really cool the um van dense are they that are on mm. um on social media at the moment um so i thought i'd have a go as well uh, at trying the face with lionel johnson um and he's wearing black armor and they've also done a black armor tutorial so i've decided to try that as well um and i'm really enjoying it so um yeah he's coming together nicely and i did have they done a gold tutorial? So that is coming on Wednesday. So oh. everything you need to paint your Primark, Jay, on Warhammer yeah. Plus. There we go. So it's going to be a Warhammer Plus Primark. Um, it's looking really cool. The face looks ace. That 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 face painting guide of Louise's is amazing, isn't it? it? Yeah, it's it's. I mean, don't be put off by any stretch. I we're not. Well, I'm not a heavy metal painter. I, you know, I'm tabletop painter. I like painting. I try and do my best with it, but I'm definitely not Golden Demon winning by any standard. Uh, and initially i thought those master classes they're a bit beyond my my level and I, I don't know how much value i'm going to get out of them but it was really really straightforward it was it was yeah you know it was it was hard work but it was it was not unachievable and and following i mean it, i've not replicated louise's end result by any stretch but 
I'm really happy with the end results. I think you're really happy with your end results as well, man. Mm. So I think any any level of painter sh- is worth checking those videos out. Um, because there's like even the subtle chin tint here, the subtle tinting, like the, the blue around the chin and the red in the th- middle of the face kind of makes it look more realistic, doesn't it? It does. It has a, an amazing effect on, on the face. And it's not too much extra effort. It wasn't, you know, normally you only have one or two bareheaded um, models in, in a unit anyway, unless you're painting, I don't know, maybe some Warhammer Age of Sigma probably have a lot more bare faces than, than 40k. Um, but, you know, you could just try that technique on a squad sergeant or a, or a, a HQ character. Um, and, yeah, it, it's just stuff that, I mean, ordinarily I would put some Cajun flesh tone down or Bugman's um, flesh, right glowing flesh shade over it, and then just get a bit of the, the, the base paint again and, and just pick out, like, the nose, the brow, the chin. I wouldn't even have thought about, like, she maps the face with different zones and, and, and using, like, a blue shade and mixing some blue in with the flesh under certain parts. And you think, all right, we'll just target, like, the cheek. And you can, you can do it and just touch it up afterwards. So I would, I really, really recommend checking out those masterclass um, videos. I've been really impressed with them so far. A lot, a lot more impressed than I thought I would be with them. Um, so that's me. I've rambled on there, but that's my hobby. I'm really happy. I've done t- tons of hobby this week. I feel really feeling the Warhammer again after uh, two weeks off. Amazing. That, that yeah, your Primarch's looking really cool, Jay. I know you shared a picture of us, uh, like an up-to-date picture, just as you were. Um, sort of starting this podcast and yeah he's looking absolutely brilliant can't wait to face him on the battlefield it's good to see you've done so much hobby as well maybe you've beaten matt this week we'll we'll soon find out um andy matt, what have you matt, been matt has a uh, get out of free jail pass i think this week though if i have beaten him <laughs> <laughs> um andy what have you been up to in the hobby this week um so not quite as much as jay um i'm not gonna lie um, I've been painting up some of the orcs, my um, 40k orcs. Um, so I started painting the runt herd and the pain boy on last night's stream. So I've got the runt herd done. Um, apart from his base, again, I still haven't quite decided how I want to do the basing yet. Um, the pain boy, I've got most of the base colours done on the pain boy now. Um, so slowly getting through that. Um, initially, I thought orcs you know a lot of models it's going to take um a lot of time to paint them you know by the 30th model i'll probably be sick of them but so far i'm really enjoying them um i've also built um a mortisan soul reaper and a mortisan soul mason for my osseop bone reapers which i bought from uh warhammer world when we took that trip up um on wednesday um, I did pop into our local game search shop yesterday, though, and I did walk away with a Sloppity by Piper, which mm-hmm. I built on last night's stream. And I walked away with a Gorfazar Harvester. Um, oh, nice. So that Harvester plus the two Bone Reaper characters, that's my next 500 points for my Bone Reapers. Um, and yeah, that's that's about it, really. Um, I cracked open me Combat Patrol Orc box um, last night and built um, one of the knobs from the the new box. Um, and yeah, yeah, I don't get me wrong, they're gorgeous, and you can obviously see that the sprues are newer, they're crisper, and they're a lot easier to put together than the knobs that I got from um, like the normal knob box. Um, so yeah, so I've built one of them. Um, I'm going to start trying to get as much 
built from that combat patrol box in the next week or so. Because bizarrely enough, I'm actually heading up to Warhammer World again next weekend. Again? Again? Yeah. Man, can't, get enough, can't get enough Warhammer World, you know me. So. <laughs> what are you doing? What are you doing up Warhammer? Are you going to the uh, Kill Team event? No, so I'm going up on the Sunday um, with a friend, um, Jason, uh, to play 40k. Nice. Um, because he hasn't played a game of 9th edition yet. Um, unfortunately, he's not been able to come to any of the PSU one day as we did last year and yeah unfortunately hasn't been able to to really play any games yet so I'm taking my orcs up um uh I'm gonna fight against his Carcaradons his space sharks oh they're really nice I've seen that army it's a really nice he's, he's gone to town hasn't he um sort of individualizing each model and yeah doing like um tattoos and stuff on all the yeah. armor and stuff like that yeah so um so yeah, I've been doing a lot of building, painted a couple of orcs, um, and I think yeah, going for the rest of the year, I'm going to try and get the orcs um, done to at least 1,500 points. But I'd like to get 2,000 points painted, and same with the bone reapers. Um, I think I'm going to try and get them done to 2,000 points. So just starting to lay the groundwork a bit more for them this week. Excellent stuff. Re- really good. Yeah, lots of hobby there. I, I I wish I got to play your orcs on uh, Wednesday, Andy, but sadly time beat us, unfortunately. But hopefully one day soon the Necrons can face off against the orcs. Yeah, I, I can't wait. It, I, I don't think we've played a game in, what, sort of like two, two years, roughly? More than that. I think the last time we played, Andy, was... Custodes versus Adeptus Mechanicus. Oh yes, yeah, yeah. When well, you yeah. had your gold land raider. Yeah. Oh my gold land raider. <laughs> <laughs> Great battle, of which I believe I lost. Um, shock horror. But there you go. Um, yeah, uh, excellent stuff. Um, well, I've um, done a little bit of hobby myself uh, on the build up to our trip to Warhammer World. I finished off some Necron warriors and some scarabs that I I, I thought I had done. Um, when actually I, I, I needed a bit more work on those, so I finished those off. I also built and almost completely sprayed and uh, washed some Necron Immortals. Unfortunately, my maths let me down uh, and only did four out of five. Um, <laughs> I have now um, dry brushed them as well, so I just need to do the orange mm. detail on them. Um, uh, I've also picked up. Uh, I haven't. I haven't. I haven't built him yet, but I, I'm really looking forward to this week. Um, I picked up the Catan, Shard of the Void Dragon. Um, I waxed lyrical about this when it first came out. It was like the main re- one of the main reasons I wanted to really press on with this Necron army. And I finally got it, so I could build it and paint it, and I can't wait. Um, could have done with him on Wednesday, Dave, couldn't you? Could have done with him on Wednesday. <laughs> Spoiler alert, I lost both games. Um, I, played, I played UJ in the first game, which was competitive, wasn't it? I think I think it was it was a close game. Our game was. Um, you definitely had the advantage in the first half, and then I was able to slowly claw it back in the second half. And we were talking about it after the game. If you had managed to hold on to an objective for one more turn, it yeah. would have been probably you would have won it. So it, it, yeah. it came down to just you, me, being able to get you off that one objective a turn early than you would have liked yeah. uh, and at that point then you couldn't get back on the objective because you were too busy trying to fight off all of the adeptus custodies in yeah. your face yeah um so so yeah i enjoyed the game i, I think it, it was a it was a good game 
And then I played you, Matt, um, yeah. and your Speed Freaks army. And I wasn't quite sure how to set up. And we, we were playing Crusade missions. And the Crusade mission kind of was like, you know, do I push towards my deployment line, giving Matt a really easy go at my army? Do I deploy right at the back? But then Matt's got an easier job on setting board control and, and jumping on the kind of uh, uh, extraction points like the object basically the objectives from this crusade mission i decided to go a little bit in between so i wasn't at the back but i wasn't on the deployment zone uh i nearly got tabled in turn one i <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, i did share that my tactic in all these games was drive forward as fast as possible open up with all my guns and then charge that was that was the plan every turn now orc shoot in as andy or no isn't the greatest you get a lot of shots and there's some very strong weapons in there but you know you're only hitting on fives i think i missed about three shots in total in that first turn day oh my days <laughs> i i've never seen i've never seen shooting from orcs like that it was i don't think they were orcs i don't think matt's were orcs i think he's he had death watch in there or something that and plus the fact that I could not make any reanimation protocol saves. Uh, you made all them during my game, Dave. I would yeah, do. yeah. I, my my army just crumpled um, into bits. So it was um, a harsh lesson against the speed freaks. But I tell you what, I really enjoyed using the army, um, and I can't wait to start getting some of the Imperium kits and start building and painting them. Um, so yeah, really re- looking forward to building up my Necron army. Um, aside from that. Um, I, I do have a bit of a taste for the the Oryx, but we'll talk about that in the news shortly. Um, and I've also uh, borrowed off Matt a, a Necromunda book, The House of Iron, which I've been meaning to pick up for a while, because we're talking about doing a bit of a narrative thing on the run-up to Christmas. Um, so I really want to get my Orlocks uh, built and painted. So I figured if I borrowed that off Matt, that would give me the inspiration to to get some Necromunda on the go. Um, oh, and also I'll put a bit more paint on Kragnos as well. Um, he's very nearly finished now so i want to try and get him done by the weekend for reasons um, for reasons so, for reasons <laughs> um so um uh possibly online battle report matt um so yeah i want to get him finished before then should should be pretty easy i say that every week but hopefully that that will be quite easy uh matt what have you been up to in the hobby this week so i went into a bit of a bleary died insanity Try to typing and filming two reviews this weekend or this week. Um, normally, normally we'd um, we'd we'd split it. Jay, you covered the um, Arena Mortis, which uh, looks pretty cool for a bit of a yeah. fun, light-hearted game. Um, yeah, that's the kind of game I think you play a sort of like an appetizer. So you got your mates round for an evening of Age of Sigmar Crusade or Path to Glory, right? While we're waiting for pizzas to arrive, let's have a quick Arena Mortis, twenty minutes, yeah. and then you pack it away and get on with your proper game. So reviews over on the website. Um, I picked up the, the the two battle tomes that Games Workshop very kindly sent over, and oh boy, they're a bit good. Now, obviously, we're going to discuss these this week for the Stormcast and next week for the Uruk, just because it'd be too much to cram into one show. Um, you picked up the Uruk book today, Dave, and you'll be eagerly devouring that, ready for the podcast on uh, next Monday. Absolutely. So yeah, so that, so I was I was a little bit busy with that, but I did manage to get some hobby in. I managed to build some more Stormcast um, and spray it all up. So I've got a load of stuff ready to go. I sprayed up a load of Necromunda stuff, um, and then on Saturday I got a um, a box of Fulminators, the uh, the, the Dracoline fellas, and they're battle line now for Hammers of Sigmar. So I thought, wow, 
for reasons, battle coming on Saturday. I've got a nice 200 and something point chunk left in my army that I can stick them in. So I built those. All the base colours are down on them now. So whack a wash on the gold and they're really kind of battle ready for Saturday. So after the podcast, put the wash on the gold, put some sand on the base, paint the base tomorrow. And then I can um, kind of start building up the, the, the tints on the gold in the highlights and stuff at my leisure. But they're pretty much good to go for the battle then. So yeah. maybe not as much as Jay, but I'm quite happy with uh, with getting two models built and painted from what Wednesday we picked them up. Yeah, yeah, only Wednesday, and they look really, really cool. I've always liked these guys, but I've never actually picked um, any up yet. Um, so I'll, I'm looking forward to your Stormcast section later on, Matt. Yeah. Um, oh, and I finished there. the van, the Vendensed as well. They're finished now. Really happy with how they turned out. Like Jay said earlier, it was pretty much following Louisa's painting guide. So. Uh, pro tip: any any faces at all, just mount the, the head on a cork or something. It's going to make it infinitely easier to paint it. Excellent stuff. And with that word of wisdom from Matt, we're going to take a pause and we're going to come back with all of this week's news. What do we have in this week's news, Matt? Well, we have got some very Uruk-flavoured pre-orders uh, this weekend, Dave. I know you're very excited about I think most of these kits that are coming out. Oh, uh, yes. First of all, we've got the big centrepiece model of the Cruel Boys, Gobsprack, the mouth of Mork, on his uh, Corpse Ripper Vulture. Amazing model. Amazing rules. We'll talk to him about a bit more uh, next week, but I think he's a must-take in a Cruel Boys army. Arguably really good in any Uruk army as well. Can also build a killer boss on Corpse Ripper Vulture. £89, which seems a little bit expensive. Yeah, about 20 quid more than I was expecting. Yeah, I, I was expecting about the 60 quid mark. How much is the more Crusher? That's about 60, isn't it? 60, yeah. So so 90 is a big old jump. It's a really nice model, don't get me wrong. But um, yeah, he's, he's an expensive one, isn't he? Uh, then we've also got the Swamp Boss slash Snatcher Boss. So these are the... Um, the, the gribbly sludge raker mounted ones, the kind of named version and the standard one, both really cool. Again, rules wise, amazing. They make your um, mortal wounds on sixes cause additional mortal wounds. So you want one of these advancing up with your cruel boys to trigger that. He's 3450, which seems a lot more reasonable. Oh, yeah, that's really cheap. So, yeah, we're really happy with that. Uh, we've also got the Marsh Crawler Slogoth, which I know you don't like, Dave. I love it. It's another really good one as well. It gives a aura to all friendly models. So that's all your various flavours of Oryx, plus one to hit. So again, for 150 points, a plus one to hit aura for your army is amazing, isn't it? Yeah. I, 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 orcs aren't friendly. Sorry, Jay. Did, did you say, Matt, it was plus one to hit for all Oryx units? I think it's all friendly units. I don't think it's even Oryx. All uh, friendly units. I'm just looking oh here, day. and it says, add one to hit rolls for attacks made with melee weapons by friendly units that are wholly within 18 inches of any friendly units with this ability. So, yeah, it doesn't. It's a, in a big war army, that's amazing. Your uh, allied goblins will also get plus one to hit then. Yeah. Because they are friendly units. So, yeah, I, I think I, I, I'd always take a more, Marsh Crawler Slogoth and one of the Scumdrek things. Just for the, the the buffs on your nearby units, they're both amazing. Uh, you know, I'm not a massive fan of the model, but I think the rules uh, have just sold it to sold him to me. 
Yeah, he's he's cool. And he looks ace. You'll you'll fall in love with him when you get it, I'm sure. Uh, that is £31.50, so again, he's not too bad. And then the multi-part gut ripper box is also £31.50 if you need another battle line blob of uh, gut rippers. Comes with a banner bearer and uh, an option of building two musicians. Oh. So you might have some spare instruments for your um, Dominion Oryx. Oh, that's cool. You need to do some conversion, uh, but yeah, yeah, you get to, I think you get a drum and a piper. Excellent. Uh, sadly, only one banner though, but you can easily convert a banner and a boss and stuff, so I don't think it's the end of the world. 3150 is quite a lot when, uh, what's the name of the box? The, you know, the starter boxes, we, we did them in box. Extremists. Well, even the smaller ones come with a load of gut rippers, don't they? Yeah, um, the warrior box, I think it's called. Which yeah. arguably is better value than £31.50 box of gut rippers. Personally, obviously you don't get the command options and you don't get the weapon options. Uh, I'm not too sold on the, the alternate weapon. I think you get an extra plus one to wound with them, but you lose the reach, which on those big base models, you probably want to fight in two ranks anyway. And it's the extra kind of wound doesn't really matter if you're fishing for the sixes to hit anyway. Yeah, I, I think if you're going for units of ten, then the hand weapon shield combo is probably probably better. But if you're going for a big unit of 20, um, then yeah, the spears for the extra reach are kind of essential, aren't they? So. Yeah. So, but no, they're a nice kit. Uh, we've also got four scenery kits coming out. This is the same scenery out of that same box set that we mentioned earlier. So there's two domicile shell boxes, the Guardian Idol uh, box and the Nexus Siphon box. Now, the Nexus Siphon is priced at £30. So my gut feeling on that is if you want a few bits of this scenery, just buy the extremist box. Yeah. <laughs> I think the individual scenery pieces will probably cost more than that box. Plus you'll get a load of gut rippers and vindictors. So yeah, it's one of those. Um, obviously if you only want one piece of that scenery set though, then yeah, go for it. It's all really nice scenery. Push fit goes together a dream. So yeah, that's really fun. If you prefer your fighting in the grim darkness of the far future, and in particular on the Forge World Necromunda, High World of Necromunda even, uh, the House Green Military Attaches are up for pre-order on Friday. These are stunning models. I know you're a fan of these, Dave, aren't you? Yeah, I, I mean, um, their rules have been around for quite a while, since the first House of Book, the House of Chains. It's Chains, isn't it? Um, and I really liked how um, the, the, the group worked. So it's cool to finally get in models, and yeah, very tempted to pick these up and make them my... Uh, it's guild, isn't it? Yeah, so basically you can make a strong allegiance with a minor guild or faction, and there's some pros and cons to doing so, but um, they're really fun. And all the ones, you know, they've done the, the slave guild, they've done the water guild. I imagine we'll see all these various guilds come out rapid fire now as they try and wrap up the, um, I suppose, the, the original six household books before they move on to exciting new stuff. So, yeah, I'll be picking these up because they look really cool. Over on Warhammer Plus, we have got uh, a few things going up this week. We have got a narrative battle report pitting Gulliman against Mortarian. So that will be pretty fun. Uh, I'll have to watch that. We've also got Louise Sugden's Guide to True Metallic Gold. So this is painting metallics. In the style of non-metallics, but with metallic paints, if that makes any sense. So you use basically Inception. darker metallic paints for the shadows. You use lighter metallic paints for the highlights, giving you a really rich, vibrant metallic colour. It's pretty much how I do my Stormcast, and I imagine I have lots of glazes and stuff. It'll be nice to watch that for reference to see it done like 
properly rather than my winging it kind of way. Uh, and we also have episode four of Angels of Death. It's getting really juicy now, isn't it, Angels of Death? Yeah, I'm loving it. Absolutely loving it. It's uh, it's looking like it's all kicking off next week as well. So looking forward to watching that one. And then over in the Warhammer Vault, we've got the quest for Gal Moraz, which is part of the Realmgate series, which I didn't read the first time round. So, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to reading this one. Have you guys read it? No. Um, I've read it. Um, if you like Nurgle and you like your Stormcast, then you're going to love it. There it, it, it was even a, a nice little bit at the beginning with um, some Beastmen. It, it, it's a good book. It's a good read. Cool. Oh, I look forward to having a read of that. And then we've got January, February, March and April 2019 of White Dwarf going in the vault as well. So a bit more content this week. It seems like a meaty one, doesn't it? Yeah, definitely feels like it's getting some traction now. Yeah, definitely. Cool. So we've also seen a host of previews today. It's been quite a a heavy day for uh, previews over in Warcom. The most exciting one, and I need this as soon as it goes up for pre-order, is the uh, the Vansar servo suit, a.k.a. the Arachna rig. It is just beautiful. I very nearly, if you know, I had the funds, I'd have, you know, maybe snap bought a, a unit of Vansar, a gang of Vansar. This thing is amazing. What are your What are your thoughts on it, Jay? Because this screams Infinity to me. <laughs> it was well when I saw that at the moment, Infinity. There's a Kickstarter coming. I think it's uh, next month actually, uh, called Tag Raid, uh, which tags are like um, uh, like dreadnoughts, I guess, in Infinity. That sort of scale size unit compared to the regular infantry. And it this did remind me of a uh, Infinity Tag. It reminded me also of uh, Diva's Mech from Overwatch. Um, <laughs> yeah. But I, um, it's a really, really smart model. Um, is it like Sentinel-sized or something? I couldn't quite tell the scale of it. Yeah, so there's there's, there's, there's a pilot in it. So it's right. probably like ogrin size, maybe. Okay, yeah, cool. Yeah, no, it's really, really nice. Really, really... It looks it looks too high-tech for Necromunda. <laughs> it looks like something the Space Marines might wear to battle. Yeah, well, this is it. The Van Song have got, um, have got kind of... Um, X-rated STCs producing stuff yeah. that the Adeptus Mechanicus absolutely do not sanction. Uh, Rumours <laughs> of Xenos influences on the designs. Yeah, naughty, so, uh, naughty. Naughty, naughty. But yeah, they have some ace robots out of it. So yeah, looking forward to getting it. We don't know when it's out, but um, the military attache was only showing off a few weeks ago. So hopefully not too far off. Like I say, I think they're trying to release all the stuff that is in the current house of books before the next wave of books come out. So yeah, very excited for that. If you prefer birds than massive stompy robots, we saw a new model for Warhammer Underworlds. Taros. It is a Stormcast Eternal bird. That's about all we know. It is an Etherwing who accompanies Zandaya's Truthseekers, which is obviously the other, the, the now confirmed Stormcast Eternals force that's in the new Warhammer Underworld starter box. I'm, um, I'm, I'm keen to see what these two warbands look like because um, obviously Cruel Boys are cool. The new Stormcaster call. I think this might be a good box to pick up. Yeah. I mean, we love Underworlds anyway, don't we? Yeah. Hopefully, uh, well, we should. We should. And we've got a little point in the newsletter on. We should see more of these guys this very week. Yeah. Now, McFarlane Toys have done quite a few um, Warhammer 40,000 action figures now. And they've got another eight on the way soon. Um, have any of you guys picked up any of these action figures? I, I haven't. No. But I've no. seen a lot of people painting them up, and they are really smart. 
Yeah, they they are. So they do. Obviously, the the you know uh, you know action figures out articulated. Some of them are like pre-painted and. I've got to say it's kind of like you know an action figure paint job they're not they're not outstanding paint jobs on them compared to like the Bandai ones but what's really cool they do produce what they call artists proofs which are basically just grey primed models ready for you to paint and like Nick Baton recently did one and it looked insanely good yeah I saw um, Louise uh, Sugden doing a um, bolter as well from one and it's like I'm wondering. Well, the, the, I'm looking forward to the first time someone paints a whole chapter or, or two thousand point <laughs> army. Of I think Nick Bain said he was doing a kill team of them. Yeah. <laughs> um, so there's an Ultramarines Reaver and then the Artist Proofs Reaver that you can paint as any chapter. There's an Orc Meganob with Shooter, an Orc Meganob with Buzzsaw, an Orc Big Mech, and an Orc Big Mech Artist's Proof. Andy, I'm sure all four of those are on your uh, Christmas list then. Uh, they are now. I didn't know they were coming out. <laughs> so, yeah, they're, they're on the way. A Tyranid Gene Stealer, which looks like he really wants a hug. And then a, 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 a Yamgal Gene Stealer, which looks... He, the design of it looks a little bit different than the current ones that they've got. Now, it could be, um, you know, artistic license there. Um, but, yeah... I think, I think it's... Um... Optimism. What's that famous 40k saying? Hope is the first road to. This is it. This is it. So, so uh, yeah, but I mean, they look pretty cool. I can take a leave the um, the kind of pre-painted one. I think they look a bit kind of toy-like. The artist-proof ones, I think, are nice if you can paint them up decently, though. Yeah, I think they make a nice um, sort of like display piece, won't they, for, for you know the side of your PC or on top of your uh, gaming shelf or something. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. The, the, yeah, and I'm sure the the younglings will love the pre-painted action figure ones as well. I don't think they're really aimed at us, are they? Uh, so, yeah, and then we also had a bit of news that Gen Con is this week, guys, the 16th to the 19th of September. Gen Con's a big kind of board game show, and Games Workshop tend to show their more kind of like board game related stuff there. We, we've often seen like big, uh, I think Warcry was shown off there, Necromunda's been shown off there. And yeah, this this week, every day between the 16th and the 19th, they're showing off more stuff. They said there's going to be 40k, Underworlds, Blood Bowl, Necromunda, Warcry and Kill Team shown off. Presumably that means that the next Kill Team box will be shown because they said back when it launched every quarter, there'll be a Kill Team box pitting two forces against each other. And that looks like how they're going to put out the new Kill Teams, which is a nice way of doing it. If it's anything like the um, Death Corps Krieg versus Orcs one, if they put a rule book in there and some scenery, that's a really good box to split, isn't it? Definitely. I'd love them to do that. I'd love them to do, so say we got, I don't know, compl- I don't know what's coming, but say we got Eldar versus Death Watch or something. Some really cool Eldar scenery in there would be so cool. In the same, you know, like the Orc one and Eldar, maiden world ruin or something yeah uh, or, or that sort of uh, you know if there's tyranids in the kill team some like um tyranid infested imperial ruins and things like this just it, yeah that'd be great and then, yeah, and then you'll these get people... team boxes are on rotation then as well aren't you? you can then release the the orc commandos and the krieg as standalone kits that same week i think that's a nice way of doing it yeah and i think as well you'd get people picking them up who don't even play kill team yeah, you would. You would. You know, I I I think that's a good release schedule because not the I think the scenery is a key part of Kill Team, isn't it? I, so selling yeah, the big box yeah. with it, I think, is definitely the way to go. Yeah, uh, it gives so, you a bit of variety because at the moment, I mean, you can make an Imperial World, you can make an Orc Battlefield, but that's it. 
But you've got you've got kill teams going into Necron Toon World. You've got kill teams going, you know, fighting on Eldar Craft World. And it'd be so cool to have the scenery. We've got so many kits coming out now, so many models. We're spoiled for choice on the model side of thing. But I mean, the scenery that Games Workshop release nowadays is top notch. It's brilliant. Um, you know, all the Age of Sigma stuff we've seen, all the um, 40k stuff we've seen. You know, yeah. And you feel sometimes if you've got a hobby budget you're a bit reluctant to put that down on scenery that month because there's that many new models coming out that, you know, you'd rather get the new models that you can play with and move around and things like that. Scenery sometimes gets a bit forgotten, I think. And I know I'm guilty sometimes of thinking, well, I've got 50 pounds. I'll put that towards some new tanks rather than a building. Uh, I know you do like painting up your scenery map, but when you get in that scenery included alongside some great new models as well, like we did in the kill team set, then it's a win-win, isn't it? Well, that's it. We mentioned the extremist box earlier, box earlier, where it looks like the individual kits for that scenery cost more than the box because scenery generally is expensive. They're big pieces, is, aren't yeah. they? Yeah. Where they can kind of subsidise it by putting it in a launch box like that for a hundred quid. That's really good because you know, let's face it, the the kill teams are going to be thirty odd quid each, and you get in the supplement book. So really, you're kind of getting all that scenery for free, aren't you? Yeah. So yeah, so obviously we don't know what it is. I imagine that's what we'll see for Kill Team. Warcry wouldn't surprise me if we saw a brand new edition, maybe with some more kind of like different factions rather than Chaos. It'd be nice to see. Maybe move Warcry from the eight points to um, Gur, maybe. Yeah. yeah, that would be good. Set it within the current um, I mean, that, AOS storyline. Yeah, that would be a great opportunity for them to expand the Kanofi range. Yeah, you know what you could do? You could set it within the um, the ruins of uh, Vindicar. Vindicarum, was it? Yeah. Oh yeah. The um, I don't think it was Vindicarum. That's the the one that Balakor siege. But the one in um, Excelsius is it? I can't remember. The big city that Kragnos smashed down. Set it within there and have the various like orcs and stormcasts and stuff. I mean, like you say, maybe you have some new mortals in there. There's yeah. lots of cool stuff you could do. Uh, Necromunda, I think we'll see the next House of Book showing our first kind of unique brand new faction. Now, um, the Lady Credo, the recent release on her kind of data card inside the box, it's something like Outlaws, which as a concept, I mean, she is quite ornate and steampunky. Imagine a kind of a band of Necromunda piratey types looking like that. That'd be an amazing war band to see. Yeah, yeah. would. Um, and and you know definitely aligned on the not so kosher side. <laughs> so yeah, so I think that's what we see for there. Uh, Blood Bowl. Hopefully we see a new team. We said last week it's like been a year since we've seen any new teams for Blood Bowl. So hopefully we see some stuff there. Warhammer Underworlds. Obviously it's going to be the lo- the starter box. And then 40k is the big question mark. Now obviously this is a toy show. And they tend to show off stuff that you'll see in toy shops rather than Games Workshop. So in the past, we've seen like standalone board games and stuff. I do wonder, though, if we'll see the kind of full reveal of the Black Templars box here, because presumably that'll be something they're trying to sell to like independent retailers as well. Hmm. I know you'd be super excited to see that, Jay. Yeah, I would. Um, On the uh, newsletter that they um, put out today, there's three silhouettes of models on there. And it's difficult to tell what they are. The one at the back definitely is some kind of space marine uh, holding a sword, which is very Black Templar-ish. So, you know, there's a chance there that we are going to see the Black Templar's launch box finally. Um, There's two other models on there, which we're not sure what they are. Um, One of them looks 
a bit witch huntery with like a crossbow type thing. Um, almost reminded me a bit of the the witch hunters that you've recently paid up, Matt. But then also yeah. it put me in mind of um, a sister of Bal or an Inquisitor, Joe with the bolt um, bolter. What I can't remember. You, know, you know what? I was, I was I was having a walk before the podcast and having a look at it, and it kind of got a dark elf silhouette as well. Dark elf, right? Okay, yeah. I mean, they, they, they did use the repeater crossbows, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah, I I think more likely a new Sisters of Battle variation. Yeah. Uh, or even Sisters of Silence, who knows? They've kind of got more kind of crested helmets, though. So it's a hard one to make it. And then the one on the other side, it looks, it's stunty. It looks like it could be a dwarf, maybe. It's Older than a lantern? Well, I don't know, looking at the angle, it could be a lantern, but it could also be like a sword pointed towards the camera. And it's obviously just a silhouette, so it kind of skews it a little bit. And um, people have speculated, could it be a Curse City expansion? But then there's no mention of kind of Warhammer uh, quest on here. Um, yeah, it could be anything. Could literally be anything. Could be a new Blood Bowl team. Chaos Dwarf Blood Bowl team. <gasps> I'd love it if it was. <laughs> if it was just Chaos Dwarfs, anything, to be honest with you. That's my, that's my out there prediction. Excellent. So yeah, so we'll have all the details next week. Like I say, over the week they'll be revealing uh, something each day. And then finally, a little bit of news, not great news. Uh, Total War Warhammer Three has been delayed until next year. That's true. Everything else that's been delayed till next year. I know yeah. films and games have been hit hard, haven't they? Yeah, it's um, no surprise that one really is it. It's a shame because I was looking forward to playing that, but uh, I think. Um, What's it called? Dark Tide has also been delayed to the following year as well. Yeah, so Dark Tide has, yeah. We'll just have to wait till next year till we play all these awesome Warhammer games. Maybe I'll actually play some Total Warhammer 2 before Total Warhammer 3 comes out. Yeah, <laughs> that's your challenge. That's your challenge. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, quite a lot of news there. A lot of uh, really tasty stuff, um, especially those Auric pre-orders. Cannot wait for those. Um, we are going to take a pause, and next up, we're going to be talking about a brand new battle tome. It's a Stormcast Eternals, and it's coming up next. And so we have two brand new battle tomes for Warhammer Age of Sigma up for pre-order. And the one that we're going to be talking about this week is the Stormcast Eternals, with the Auric Warclans following up on next week's episode. Matt, you have got a copy of the Stormcast Eternals Battle Tome in your hands. Why don't you take us through it? Yeah, so like you said back at the start of the show, it's it's it seemed like a while since the third edition came out and that Dominion launch box came crashing onto the tabletop. Um, but I suppose this is something that we saw with um, Indomitus last year. It was a while until those first Battle Tomes came out and maybe that's a, maybe that's a change of tact. Traditionally in the past, the day a new edition came out, the new battle tome came out with it, which would traditionally be Space Marines or, or Stormcast. So I think they've given people a little bit of a breathing space to get the kind of starter box painted before they start dropping the box. Um, and you know what? I'm not disappointed. It's First of all, it's an absolutely gorgeous book. The, it's got a very red art style. And if you've seen any of the recent uh, third edition boxes, they're all kind of banded with this red and I don't know if it's a psychological thing, because obviously these two books are going to be uh, red spined on your bookshelf with all the others white. So psychologically, you want to slowly change your white ones to red ones. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it things. reminds me of the the old uh, Warhammer 8th edition army books. That yeah. sort of style. Yeah, definitely. And it's a big old chunky book. I mean, this is 186 pages long. 
And we've got 104 pages before we even get to the like rules and stuff. So it is chock full of law. So obviously, if you're a old school Sigmar player, you're going to know a lot of this. But there's a lot of new stuff in here as well. Uh, and some interesting stuff, like Indrasta, for example. We learn that there's only three things that she hasn't killed, which, you know, that seems fairly impressive. You know, we're not boasting or anything, but, you know. Um, one of those is um, Kragnos. She's not managed to kill Kragnos, which is, you know, he's a new kid on the block. She'll give him a few weeks until she puts him down on Saturday's stream, probably. Um, the, the second creature she hasn't killed is a demon of corn known as Doombreed. Now, in our review, I was like, Doombreed? That's a new... I've never heard of this demon before. Uh, apparently, I was wrong. Doombreed has appeared in the 90s in Warhammer 40,000. Oh. So, and obviously, we know demons exist in both universes. So, could this be a precursor of a new named corn demon? Obviously, we've had the the, the twins, haven't we, for Slanesh? It's not out of the question that we get another greater demon-sized demon that isn't a bloodthirster. Because, I guess, you know, logically, there must be different types of demonic generals for corn. It's just, you know, bloodthirster is the most common. So that interested me for, you know, all things demonic. And then the final thing that she hasn't killed is the, um, the king of all dragon ogres, Krakenrock the Black. Again, a name we haven't heard of, but that's super specific to put a name in the book unless it's going to get covered in the future. Yeah, you would think so. Was there any Kenoffy names in there? No Kenoffy. Certainly no Kenoffy. But um, yeah, it's it's interesting that. And I'd quite like to see a bit of a reinvention of the Dragon Ogres, especially if, you know, obviously the dragons are back. They're not too happy with the Dragon Ogres. Kragnos doesn't like anything draconic so it kind of works in this era of the beast phase that we're in as well so I do wonder if we might get uh, Beast of Chaos at some point soon and, and get some dragon ogres so yeah so I, I like stuff like that in the kind of lore sections it kind of tees things up for the future and yet yeah, there's loads of info in here as with the other battle terms as well we get a really nice art section well, with all it, the models yeah it's like remember when we were reading through the Broken Realms I remember reading about the um uh well oh no it was Lumineth, but was it this the 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 foxes the um wind spirits of the Lumineth. we read about them in the law before we even saw exactly, model yeah so it's always worth reading through the law to get little hints yeah. of the future um battle term also contains a full painting guide which is really helpful a lot of it is recycled from the previous stormcast uh, battle term but there's lots of new things in here including a guide on how to do in drasters kind of like silver gold armor painting guide for dragons all that kind of stuff so, so far, so good, you know, really cool. But I guess most people are listening to find out about the rules of the book. And uh, yeah, they've done they've done a, a, a different thing with this battle term. And I think all battle terms going forward. So obviously one of the things that we've discussed on the show before is that when you're building your army, there's often tables of, you know, special items, warlord traits, that kind of stuff that you never take because you're locked into your faction specific ones and it's very rare that you're going to have enough you know free artifacts of power to use some of these generic ones and that's i know that's always bugged you in the past jay hasn't it yeah that's that's my biggest uh, bugbear with a sigma well in third edition all of the uh sub factions no longer have any um artifact tied to them they no longer have any command trait tied to them they just get a single kind of universal rule. 
which I think is a great change. It gives you a load more customizability. Yeah. You're no longer going to be put off a uh, sub-faction because of the artifact, which I have done in the past, just because it didn't fit my yeah. playstyle, it didn't fit the army. But now it's, um, yeah, you got a lot more freedom. So we'll run through those quickly just to share what they get. So the Hammers of Sigmar are the kind of poster boys of the, the Stormcast Eternals. Their um, trait is we cannot fail. Friendly Hammers of Sigmar units have a 6 plus ward save while a wholly within 12 inches of an objective. That's pretty tasty. You know, ward saves are pretty handy in the game. The Hallowed Knights, uh, when they're slain on a 4 plus, they can fight before they're removed from play. It's okay. It's pretty good. Uh, Celestial Vindicators is what you play, Dave, isn't it? Yeah, it is indeed. And this is pretty cool. Uh, at the start of the charge phase, you pick a friendly Celestial Vindicator unit that made a charge move, and they basically get exploding hits. So a roll of six to hit makes two hits instead of one. I can see the problem there straight away. Dave making his charges. None of Dave's models ever make charge moves. This is true. Um, Anvils of the Holden Hammer get an interesting one. And it's, it's a pretty good one, really, when you think about it. At the end of the charge phase, you roll 2d6s for each unit, um, enemy unit within an inch of your anvils or the Helden Hammer. If you roll over their bravery, the first two wounds caused by that enemy unit are negated. Okay, that's pretty cool. Which is, yeah, it gives you a bit more survivability. Um, the Knights Excelsior are really cool. Is that, is that two wounds or two... Uh, two- Points of damage, or say, for example, Kragnos hits you twice with his five damage attacks, whatever they are. You're blocking ten damage there. No, no, you're, you're, you're blocking two wounds. Oh, okay, so not the So damage. he would allocate oh, yeah. ten wounds to you, and you'd ignore the first two. Right, but it's okay. still really good. Right. You know, so there's some yeah. stuff that might be, you know... <sighs> It's enough to keep you in the fight sometimes, just two wounds, isn't it? It's a bit like, was it the Sacrosanct models? They used to have an ability where they could ignore one damage or one 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 wound that was given to one model they ignored or, or the last yeah. wound or something like that wasn't it yeah well it's kind of that baked in as an army ability so that's pretty fun uh, the knights excelsior are all based around the paladin unit so these are your annihilators and stuff like that and once per turn at the start of the combat phase you pick one of those units and they get what well, add one to hit and wound rolls which is massive yeah a lot of those units are hitting and wounding on threes anyway just putting them on flat twos is amazing yeah, uh, the Celestial Warbringers have got an interesting one. It's a bit Eldari. I think you've had some Eldar factions that work like this. Each phase, you can reroll one hit, one wound, and one save. Yeah, it's a bit like the Salamander trait, isn't it, in uh, 40k? Yeah. yeah, so yeah. Again, Good with minimum-sized units. Exactly, yeah, which you can easily do in this army. So that's a cool one. Tempest Lords, uh, one for you, Dave. When you attempt to charge... You can re-roll one of the dice. It's not forcing you to re-roll both, just one of them, which I'd say is arguably better because you can keep that high number and just re-roll the low one to try and get the charge in. Yeah, no, I like that. If I didn't play Celestial Vindicators, that'd probably be the one for me. And finally, we have the Astral Templars, who are potentially the strongest one in the current meta. Uh, they cannot be picked as the target of a monstrous rampage. So you cannot stomp them, you cannot roar them. They are immune to monstrous rampages. So I I like that, but at the same time you've got the is it the hunters in the heartland core battalion that everyone gets access to? Yeah, you have. So, but obviously as the as the season changes, that will drop out. So true. A lot of this you got to think kind of like next year. I mean, there'll probably be a new stormcast book next year anyway. But uh, 
yeah it's 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 an interesting one so yeah so in addition to those ones you then also pick what type of stormcast armor you want traditionally the stormcast will deploy from the skies in a bolt of lightning however because of the actions of everybody's favorite demon prince and um, mm-hmm. the skies are scorched with a demonic storm that cannot be breached apart with thunderstrike armor so narratively really it's only the thunderstrike stuff that that deploys there's no rule stopping you from deploying your other guys from the heavens but narratively it's just those guys that have come from the heavens all the other stormcasts are now um kept in storm keeps and they will march out with the cities of sigmar and fight that way and that's basically your two choices of how you build your stormcast if you are a signs of the storm uh for every unit that you deploy on the board one unit can be deployed in the heavens to come down normal deep strike rules outside of nine inches so that's pretty much the old stormcast rules that we used to have alternatively you can be a watchful guardian this is stormkeep army if you do that one in four units can be a coalition cities of sigmar unit so that's cool if you want to bring some steam tanks or some dwarves or something to your stormcast not the greatest ability but kind of fun from a narrative point of view what is really cool though is they get access to the shield of civilization so with this your stormkeep redeemer units and redeemers are basically your basic melee infantry so liberators vindicators vindictors sorry and vigilators all the kind of sword spear hammer standard stormcast i think sequiturs have got that keyword as well so all your basic infantry uh in the first and second battle round any objectives in your territory your models are worth three models for the purposes of contesting that objective which is great a unit of 10 spear guys is worth 30 models from the third battle round onwards that rule applies to all objectives on the battlefield which is really really good um especially we saw that the 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 hammers of um uh, sigmar kind of rule is they get a ward save when they're near an objective as well so you've got 10 models worth 30 models with a six plus ward save within draster nearby maybe to bring them alive when they die it's going to be so hard to get them off objectives making it even harder if you charge a stormkeep redeemer unit that is within six inches of an objective on a three plus you take d3 mortal wounds <laughs> i mean that's icing on the cake isn't it at that stage yeah so that is that is really really cool but obviously you're going to make a bit of a decision haven't you because if you do that you can't bring down your um annihilators from the heavens and do all those splash mortal wounds so for once there's like an important choice to make on do you want the the adaptability of bringing units down and doing damage or do you want to you have to deploy your entire force on the table and you can't do any redeploy shenanigans but you've got this really good objective ability and i think that's two really nice different builds that you can do now yeah i mean i'm going to catch you off guard here matt but there's um a uh soulcast character called the knight vexilor he used to have a teleport banner you wouldn't happen to know if he has that still, would you? I believe he still has it. However, oh. for the purposes, because I looked at this myself and I thought, um, uh, yes, for you, it carries a pennant of the Stormbringer once per battle. You can pick a friendly Stormcast Eternals unit and place it anywhere on the battlefield outside of nine inches of any models. However, the ability of the Annihilators only activates the first time you set them up on the board. So technically, if you okay. deployed them, they'd do their 10-inch blast and hit nothing. Yeah, but you've still got that option of teleporting yeah. um, some songcasts, haven't you? And 
you know, looking at that rule, that I think is going to play very well, especially at the minute with a lot of Sons of Bama armies running around. Because if you take um, a Taker tribe, your big guys count as 30. But if you don't take a Taker tribe, they only count as 20. So that, that rule brings a lot of new life into a lot of those older units like Liberators. So, yeah, yeah I really like that. We've seen a lot of stuff gearing towards MSU kind of armies for Sigmar, but actually, if you double reinforce a unit of spear guys, 15 models, turn three, you then teleport them down to an objective down the field somewhere. That's worth 45 models, and they've got a six plus ward save and hammers of Sigmar, and you take more wounds when you charge them. Seems really, really good from like yeah. a competitive point. Um, so, yeah, really, really like them. And then you get some command traits that you can, I won't go through all these, they're all in the write-up on the website, but you've got command traits that you can pick from. You've got like nine different artifacts split between weapons, armor, and like one-use potions and stuff. Um, a whole spell lore of six of them. A lot of them are very similar to the old Stormcast ones, but there's a few tweaks here or there. Really, really good. Um, you get some unique prayers, you get some unique mount traits, and you also get some unique command abilities. And we mentioned that, obviously, in the past, the command abilities were kind of tied to the factions. Now you just get a list you can pick from. I think that's a much better way of doing things. Yeah, I mean, like we said, without a particular storm host locking you into specific artifacts, and obviously now with core battalions, you can quite easily get um, an extra enhancement and stuff like that. It really just gives you a lot more customization, a lot more freedom. And yeah, I mean, we're obviously talking about this next week when we talk about war plans and stuff. But looking at all the artifacts in there, I I, I would want them all. Yeah, oh, that's there's, it. There's not really many, if any, duff ones. I mean, the command traits. There's, there's lots of stuff that works for different builds of armies as well. So, for example, you can be um, if you go for the the, the dragon list that everybody's going to be going for, there's a command trait where if the general's a monster and is on the battlefield, you subtract one from wound rolls for attacks made with melee weapons that target friendly Stormcast Eternals monsters, you know, like all the dragons that are in your list. That's mm. a crazy good ability. Yeah, that's really good. There's a um, There's one that the bearer can't be the target of shooting attacks outside of nine inches which gets around the um like the the sentinels don't need they don't need to, a target to be visible this specifies they cannot be picked as a target unless the shooting units within nine inches so that's really good that saves you from some of the caradron luminous taking out your characters turn one kind of stuff does that have like any restrictions on what model it can be put on Nope, any Stormcast Eternal hero. Oh, that is that's gonna see some play. That's definitely yeah, gonna see definitely. some play. But like you say, there's there's lots of stuff that you want to take here. So it's um it it, it really means that you're gonna use those extra enhancement um battalions to try and get some more of this cool stuff. And again, it gives you so many options. Now, you know, nature of the game, people all kind of um gravitate towards certain like builds, won't they? Yeah. But I think for for the majority of players, we'll see lots of different Stormcast armies because of this. Yeah. Yeah. Now. yeah and I, I think with the Stormcast, you know, not jumping to conclusions or anything like that, but I think this is one of those armies that you can pick up and, you, you know, you're going to be collecting it realistically for 
a very long time just because a amount of units that are in there b the flexibility of those units and the different play styles that you know really encourage you to take those units and and yeah <laughs> for me i'm I'm just looking at stormcast i'm like i could easily do a 2000 point warrior chamber army 2000 point sacrosanct army and obviously now we've got the dragons a 2000 point dragon army so yeah yeah I think that's what they're kind of playing into. I think it'd be really fun to do all these different types of armies. Now, one of the things we are most excited about with the new edition of the game was Path to Glory. And, you know, obviously the Crusade content in the 40k codex has been really good. And we were interested to see what they'd do for Path to Glory. And uh, got to say, I'm not disappointed. So one of the key mechanics they've got is reforging. So in the lore, when a Stormcast falls, his, his soul goes back to his ear and he gets reforged into a new body. It loses a bit of its soul in the process, but, you know, tough. <laughs> so there's a mechanic where when you obviously normally there's a chance that your um, your your heroes just could get killed in a path to glory in in the Stormcast. They do get returned to his ear and they will get beaten crudely into a new body. They will lose some renown. Um, they might lose some abilities. You can pick one hero per battle to be um, reforged personally by Grungni, and that will stop some of the um, the negative effects of the reforging process. But, you know, Grungni's a busy guy. He can only do one hero per battle. Your other grunts are going to have to uh, suffer the consequences of the reforging. But, <laughs> unfortunately, the more times a Stormcast is reforged, the more his soul fractures. And because of that, it limits the amount of experience they can get each battle. Ah. So there is a downside to it. So, you know, willy-nilly, oh, yeah, that guy's been reforged eight times. It's fine. He's only going to get a maximum of three renown per battle, even if he could have got, like, ten. Yeah. But just because good. his psyche is so broken. So I really like that. Um, what I also really like is that as part of the Path to Glory rules, you can create your own storm host as well. So in the past, in like 40k, this would be part of the main match play kind of rules. But in order to make the game more balanced, because people would just inevitably pick the most broken combination of traits, this sits entirely in Path to Glory. Yeah, so I like that. But I think yeah. you're still going to get a lot of use, because like I say, we generally only play narrative Warhammer now. I can't yeah, exactly. remember really, we don't exactly. play much match play. And, and in all the books... Oh, sorry. Sorry, you carry on, Matt, carry on. There you go. I was gonna say, I was gonna say, in older books, you get these like, you know, in codexes and battle tomes, you'll get like a narrative mission, um, specific to that codex. I don't know, a techless one where a luminous one where they're trying to do some magical ritual, a, a lizard and one where they're trying to reignite some temple, whatever stone. Never used them. I've never played one of those narrative battle plans or 40k battles out of any of the codexes or battle tomes, and you just, they just, the narrative stuff just doesn't get used. But here. Like you can create your own storm host, and with Path to Glory being such a good system, and narrative games gen- just being much better nowadays with Ninth Edition 40K and Third Edition Age Sigma, you could, this is a it's going to be a, a very utilized part of the new battle tomes, I think. Yeah, I think not so. like tacked on. I so yeah, and basically there's three different there's three different tenants: tenants of the hammer, tenants of the shield, and tenants of the tempest. And each of them has got like, like a list of different abilities, and you pick two out of out of those but you can't have two from the same tenant so really customizable i think that'd be really fun to create your own storm host um kind of backing on to the the path to glory stuff in the core book you get four unique quests um so there's one that 
is based around your Dracoths, Dracolines, Griff Chargers, where they do a, a quest to try and get a new mount trait for them. There's what's really interesting is a quest that when you do it, you unlock one of two. I, like, I call them like showpiece battles, right. which is so you mentioned those battle plans that you never play. There's now a quest, Jay, that will unlock those special missions to play as a one off game. Yeah. So, for example, there's Into the Fire, where the Stormcast player is fighting an army twice their number. So the Stormcast have marched in against the odds. It's a massive en- enemy force, and the Stormcast have to not die and take out the enemy force. And, you know, the odds are going to be against them, but that's a really cool, like, like final showdown for your army if you kind of get your guys up, get them all leveled up, and then throw them into the pit to do this. And, um, and what, 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 are the, what's the, what are the rewards or consequences of those battles? So... If you win, the Stormcast player gets to re-roll any exploration rolls to represent the fact that they've claimed this territory and got whatever's in there. And yep. also, every one of your units gets one renown for the glory of doing this strike. So it's not it's not massive over-the-top rewards, but something worth doing. They are, yeah, to look forward. It reminds me a bit of um, the Crusade content we saw in the Grey Knights book, where if you're fighting a Chaos opponent, you roll to see whether this Chaos Demon is present. Um, that chaos demon gets added to the opponent's army and it could be a greater demon so you could be adding 200 250 points to an opponent's army so you're going to be slightly outnumbered it's going to be a tougher battle for you but obviously there are some additional rewards if you manage to be successful in that battle and it creates a story for that battle and they're still just as fun because you're trying to achieve something and you know there's it's almost like a high stakes game for you yeah. I, I like that i think that's really good and like you say not every battle has to be that one you work towards it and agree with your opponent when you're going to do it and that's it and you don't necessarily have to use one of the forces that's part of your campaign as well you could create a core narrative for it the other um narrative mission that you can unlock is the storm that storm that scours so basically the uh the the stormcast are um have surrounded an enemy force and the enemy force has to try and escape and the stormcast have to try and kill them before they get out of there um again really really fun and on this one you roll to see what territory this fight's taking place in then the stormcast get it for five glory rather than ten so you know fun not like over the top rewards but fun and i think it'll be nice to obviously we've already rinsed all the six um after glory missions in the core book so it's nice that there'll be a couple of awesome not necessarily balanced but kind of cinematic battles that you can play with when you feel you're ready for a challenge yeah, and I, I think like that's that. something. There's two of them in the Uruk book, so I think it's something we'll see in every book. And like you say, those missions that nobody ever played, it suddenly makes it an integral part of the Path to Glory then, which is really yeah. fun. Uh, we also get some new veteran abilities um, and new territories, taking up the 61 to 66 slot. Now, we've played some games and unlocked stuff in those slots. And unfortunately, if you haven't got a battle term, it's just like pick which character you want with some, you know, much more kind of narratively fun stuff there. I mean, and this then, was that was pretty much all I expected from the Path to Glory. So, uh, you know, the uh, the additional territories you can control. So all these custom quests and custom storm hosts and things like this, they're just ice on the cake. It's more than I expected, we'll see. Yeah, yeah, so for example, one of them is an ancient shrine that doesn't do anything until you upgrade it. And then it's a, a special site that Grungly can use to better reforge your characters. So again, really, really fun stuff. I um, 
I I like that kind of stuff in there. What's really cool, though, are heroic upgrades. So one of the things that we quickly came aware of in A Path to Glory is that your general couldn't really earn anything. Other heroes could earn command abilities and the like for levelling up, but your hero, he could gain glory, but he didn't have anything to use that, that, that renown on. Where now, you can choose to upgrade a character to a better class of character or a character on a mount, which is amazing. So you could start off with any knight that isn't a wizard. Once he's hit 25 renown, um, you can spend six glory and make him a knight draconis, for example. You could take a knight in Cantor and level him up into a Lord Arcanum. And then once he's earned enough renown after that, you can give him a Dracoline. And then once you've earned enough renown after that, you can give him a Tauralon. It's really, really fun, that. And I I think we'll be doing this because we started our forces at like 600 points, but you can't fit the awesome like character on a massive mount at that. So the yeah. fact that, you know, you could even take like a lesser character, like a knight level character and upgrade them into a lord is such a cool thing. This is my favourite part of the new Path to Glory from the Stormcast book, uh, for sure. And I mean, um, we I think when we first started planning our Path to Glory and talking about what we'd like to do, I think we, we, we kind of thought you know we'll make this kind of unwritten rule that you know your character starts on foot and eventually they'll get i think i mentioned it with my skaven um my skaven grace here that he was on a start on foot and eventually build up his way to earn yeah. the right to be mounted on a screaming bell it's that we're kind about of house thing. ruling it aren't we but you don't need to house yeah. rule it anymore and it's no. you've got a, you've got a renown kind of level so we need to have played some games and got some experience and then you spend the glory to unlock the mount and obviously that's going to make your roster more expensive but it's a nice way of doing it. I, I think it's really cool. And again, this is in the Uruk book as well. And I think we'll see it in all the books because that's the simplest way of upgrading your characters from a small little warband to an army. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. And then we get some War Scroll Battalions. So these aren't a thing of the past. Uh, they don't have points anymore. And the bonuses are less than they used to be, but they're still pretty good. So Warrior Chamber, for example, if you take a Warrior Chamber... Uh, I don't know, Lords of the Warrior Chamber, which is three to seven Lord units and three to 15 Knight units. So quite a big investment. And um, once per turn, when you pick a unit to fight, you can pick two eligible units from this battalion instead of one. So they kind of get the luminous ability of oh, getting wow. two units to fight with. But it's not like all your stuff in that battalion gets plus one to hit and they can redeploy or something. Yeah. And there's quite a you know there's quite a cost to get the minimum stuff but it means that you can build your army that visually looks like one of these chambers so i think for path to glory obviously you guys need some of these war squad battalions but i think we'll be using these rather than the core battalions because it gives it a bit more of a narrative look to the army yeah i i when i whenever i built an army in the past i always looked at um war squad battalions in terms of what models are needed because that's how i like to build my army and build my collection of models and obviously when they got rid of war scroll battalions from match play like i i, I understand why because some of them were just insanely over the top um it's nice to see them still be in the game and still be in the battle tones even if it's only narrative play yeah but at the same time i hope they don't make them too inaccessible because with uh, previous battle tones you always got like one super battalion that i don't think anyone ever used ever 
Yeah, all the, all the Super Battalions have gone, but I mean, they have got quite some requirements against them, which I guess makes sense to, on the buffs, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. So I think it's more something, I think really, because obviously there's there's quests to unlock battalions as well. So I think this is more, once you've raised your army, you can then unlock one of these to get your paladin units into into a battalion like this. Mm-hmm. Which again gives you another reason to go on that quest, so that's fun. Uh, in match play, yes, we've got grand strategies, battle tactics, and core battalions. No, they're not going to break the game. Uh, th- essentially, you get the same kind of bonuses that you got in the core battalions from the core book. There's no new bonuses there, so we've still got Slayer, Strategist, Swift, Magnificent, Expert, Unified. Just different ways of taking those based on the units in your book. So that's that's good, because I know a lot of people were worried that, oh, hang on a second, there's going to be a take three battle line units and all your guys get 18 more wounds or something ridiculous like that like the kind of stuff that we saw in the old war score battalions that's gone they've kept to those core battalion abilities just different ways of building them so I think people can sleep soundly on that and similarly for the grand strategies and battle tactics it's stuff that you were doing with your army anyway like kill a unit with a dragon have only um, your cities of sigmar survive the battlefield that kind of stuff so nothing again too broken uh, it just gives you a bit of bigger pool to pick from for your battle tactics which is good because not every battle tactic in the core in the core book you necessarily can do with your army so i think that's the kind of background of these it's it's good because you, you'll see like zinch and lumineff will get some magic-y flavored ones yeah exactly it just it lets you play the army how they play in the in the background the law yeah, exactly. Yeah. Otherwise, there's a danger that you have to build your army because you know you need to try and complete five of these battle tactics where if yeah. there's five in the book that work around how your army plays, you don't have to stress about it too much. No. Is there any restrictions where you... Mind you, I suppose it's different. I'm thinking of like the secondaries in Warhammer where you can only take so many from the codex, the rest have to come from the rule book. Here, I guess it's different because you choose a battle tactic each turn, don't you? So. Yeah, so you so your grand strategy, you pick one that's on your army list, and the battle tactic, you pick one each turn. So there's no restriction saying you can only have one from no. the core book, um, which is good. And again, like I say, there's nothing too over the top. Yeah, um, there's one there's one that I really like, Hammer Strike Assault. Pick an enemy hero that's on their full wound profile. Pick one of your heroes. If your hero one-shots it, you get the battle tactic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm, I'm hoping, because one thing they've really done with Age of Sigmar 3 so far is they've streamlined it and they've given everyone access to, you know, the same battalions or the same benefits from battalions and stuff. I'm hoping going forward that these grand strategies and battle tactics that are specific to battle tomes don't make a battle tome slightly better than any others, because I've seen the Sons of Bearmat one, and I don't... Uh, again, none of them are sort of like over the top silly or anything like that. But I don't think I'd ever really take them. If I was playing like in a match play competitive environment, I don't think I'd take any of the Sons of Bearmat ones over the generic ones. And I'm hoping that kind of stays like that. Yeah. Because obviously, I, I don't want a, uh, a battle time to come out in a year's time and it's got, you know, a grand strategy and battle tactics that are so much better than the Stormcast and Warclans. Because obviously, with Stormcast and Warclans, one of the things that's super interesting about it is they are the first books in this new edition, and it's going to be interesting to see how they hold up in a year or two's time. Yeah, so. yeah. 
I mean, like, so for example, there's one where pick an enemy unit that's got a bravery characteristic of 10 or more. You complete it if any models flee. So they're not easy to get, but they're quite cool little achievements to unlock, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. So, so on to the profiles now. Obviously, we, uh, the podcast would be about three hours long if, if we went over all the profiles. So I want to just touch on kind of some of the big changes and then all the new units. So most profiles have been changed. A lot of them have been consolidated. A lot of kind of unit-specific command abilities are gone now. Okay. Kind of replaced with um, kind of obviously that you've got those core command abilities, and I think the way the game is going to work now is they're the one that you've access to stuff that was previously command ability is now like a passive ability a unit's got, which I think is a better way of doing it personally. Yeah. Um, a lot of the older the older units have had increases in in wounds. Um, increases in rend. A lot of those kind of first edition books didn't really have much in the way of rend and damage, did they? And it's no. just kind of brought them in line. So, for example, the uh, the kind of Dracoline uh, models, uh, if we can find them in the book. So the Formulators, uh, Dracothian Guard, that kind of stuff. They've had a bit of a, a shot in the arm because I think they were a bit overlooked in the past. Now they've got more wounds each. The Dracothian Guard Formulators, for example, have got five attacks, hitting on threes, wounded on threes, minus two rend, one damage, but they do three damage on the charge. So a pair of them can do like 30 damage on the charge, which is pretty cool. Oh, oh wow. Yeah, um, I didn't realise they had minus two rend. Exactly, yeah, which something makes them very really tasty. good, doesn't it? And the mounts themselves have got minus two rend as well. So there's changes like that across all the profiles. Um, the biggest thing that people are finding in the way they work their armies is the removal of those kind of command abilities i think that's going to be more and it makes it give, makes the point there being a list of command abilities in the front because then you can use those extra enhancements to dole out these command abilities where you need them yeah 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 that's true so so that's cool um onto the new stuff we've got the two named dragons crondis and karazai i mean they're gorgeous models 18 moons a piece with a three plus save um they don't have a ward of any type so they are going to be slightly vulnerable. Uh, you do subtract one from any melee attacks that uh, target them to a minimum of one. Um, the combat profile, I mean, the Karazai is the more offensive one, and he has got a pretty tasty profile. But both of them, their best attack really is their tail, where the attack's characteristic of the tail is equal to all enemy models within three inches. So uh-huh. against some armies, that's going to be devastating. And considering it's got minus two rend and two damage you can wipe out entire units with just the tail. Yeah, I mean, you touched on it earlier that a, a lot of units going into this new edition are going to be like MSU, which is like multiple small units. Even having 10 Witch Elves within three inches, that's still 10 attacks from its tail. Yeah, 10 attacks, hitting on threes, wounding on threes, minus two rend and two damage. You can wipe that unit with the tail, plus all those other attacks. Yeah. Uh, they're pretty good. They're pretty good. And um, they both got a breath attack as well. That's interesting. It is, a, it is a ranged attack, but instead of rolling to hit, you roll a d6. On a 1-2, they take one mortal wound, 3-4, to four, d3 mortal wounds, and a 5-6, d6 mortal wounds. So if you're feeling lucky, you've got a high chance of one-shotting those support characters that are hidden behind a unit. You don't have to roll to hit. You can use it as a uh, unleash hell ability. Yeah, there's some fun stuff you can do with those dragons. Um, they're 600 points which is expensive. Somebody messaged on, I think it was on YouTube, saying arguably the new Dragon Cavalry are cheaper and a unit can do more damage output. But what you've got to bear in mind is that 
They are the fabled Hero, Mon- Hero Monster Combo. Yeah. Which yeah. is, on, on paper, in practice, it's a lot stronger than it is on paper, isn't it? You've got all those abilities to heal. You've got all those abilities to have plus one hit, plus one wound, plus one save, doing yeah. stomps, locking down command abilities. I, I, I think these are going to be very good, even though arguably 18 wounds with no rend, there, there are ways of taking them down, aren't there? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that's like Kragnos. Kragnos doesn't have a ward, does he? But no. he'll have a two plus save, doesn't he? Yeah. Well, these have got a three plus save and do, you know, finest hour or something on them or all out defense. They've got a two plus essentially. Yeah, yeah. I do think I do think it's a bad thing that the big scary centerpiece models haven't got a ward save. And I wonder if that's a trend that we'll see going forward, because obviously we've got the, the, the relic in the book. But then if you take that, you're not getting the tasty relics in this book, are you? No. So. So, yeah, so they're both pretty cool. Um, we've got the new the big dog on campus, Bastion. He is the Lord Commander of the uh, the Hammers of Sigma. He is crazy good. He can call down lightning from the heavens. He picks a unit anywhere on the battlefield. You roll a number of dice equal to their wounds. Each six does a mortal wound. Amazing. At the start of the battle, you can redeploy D3 Hammers of Sigma models. Amazing. He's got a four plus ward save. He can issue a command anywhere on the board without a command being spent once per turn. And then finally... If he caused any wounds uh, with his attacks in a phase, he heals up to full. Now, he's only got <laughs> eight wounds and three plus save, but he's got that four plus ward save. You need to kill him because he will kill something with his four attacks, three plus hit, two plus wound, minus two rend, four damage. He will kill something that he swings at. Uh, oh, so he's, like him. he's 300 I- points, but he's not cheap, but he's a really good commander. Yeah, it, d- it does sound like one of those special characters that you are going to see. Yeah, definitely. Do you know what I like about him? Um, even though, obviously, if you're a Hammers of Sigma player, you've, you've got added benefits, but there's there's enough there for that points value for me to take him in a Celestial Vindicator's army. That's it, and they've yeah. all specified that you're at no disadvantage of taking name characters. They just don't get the command traits. They don't no. get the, 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 the faction ability, so that's cool. Uh, the other new hero that we've got is the Knight Draconis. So this is a knight-level hero, Riding a dragon, he's amazing. 12-inch move, 11 wounds, 3-plus save. He's got the same fire attack that the big dragons have got. So on a 5, 6, D6 mortal wounds, 3 to 4, D3 mortal wounds, 1 to 2, nothing. Amazing. That that same fire attack's on your kind of like knight-level guy. Uh, he's got a command ability, that uh, sorry, a once-per-battle ability that lets a unit of Storm Drake Guard fire their shooting attacks in the hero phase. Oh, right. wow. cool. And they've got the same shooting attack. So, you know, a unit of four of them could be doing 46 mortal wounds with a breath. Mental. And he'd be a tempting target for that artifact that makes him untargetable in the shooting phase from more than nine inches away as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or, the, or, the, or the one to make all your monsters minus one to wound. Yeah. So, and then, so really, really good combat profile, as you'd imagine. I mean, his blade's got five attacks, hitting on threes, wounding on twos, minus three rend and damage two, plus the dragon itself's got a load of attacks. And then at the end of the combat, you pick a model. If you roll over its wounds characteristic, it's slain. So, Gorgrunters, the elites like Ossiarch Bone Reaper Infantry, even stuff with like five wounds. You've got a one in six chance of just slaying a model there. Did you say at the end of combat as well? Uh, after all the units' attacks have been resolved in the combat phase. 
Oh, wow. So that that's really good in the sense that you can pick out that model in that middle of a unit and break coherency, and they, the opponent's got no chance of actually being able to pile in to yep. save them. Yeah, really so good. He's he's going to be really, really good. So alongside him, we have got the kind of like dragon cavalry unit of those. And essentially, they're smaller versions of him. They they are very good for the points. And I do imagine that we'll see some point increases. Uh, unit of two, they've got nine wounds each, three plus save. Pretty much same profile as him, but less rend and less damage. But they've got the same dragged into the tempest rule where they roll over the wounds characteristic and just slay something. The same fire breath rule. Uh, all the dragons, sorry, him and the named one have got a four plus ignore spell uh, save. So same as the uh, Varangard have with their spell shields. Okay. Yeah, they are really cool. They've also got the dispersed formation rule, which means they're three inch coherency. And I imagine that's to account for the massive wings that otherwise would yeah. be like hitting each other so i think they're going to be a must-take unit i mean how much are they they're not expensive uh, 285 for two and it is a battle line if you have a draconith or star drake general so that's your named dragon cavalry guy sorry the character uh, dragon cavalry guy either of your big dragons either of your storm drake variations if you take any of them as your general these guys are battle line crazy good crazy good and like the person who commented on the thing they've got the same number of wounds and save as the big dragon but for like half the points yeah this has got ben johnson written all over it hasn't it (laughs) (laughs) yeah i think um i mean i i I think for the super competitive list you're probably going to take the the dragon knight and then max out on storm drake guard and not take one of the big big dragons just give yeah. more bodies and more to do with them. What's interesting with these as well, obviously the box that makes these is, is a two-model box. And in the past, if you built, you could build them as a hero, but that spare model is essentially wasted. I know you've said in the past, Andy, you've kind of had a spare blight drone you've had to offload somewhere. Um, yeah. They've added a rule in the in the book for all the boxes that build units like that, where if you take that hero, you can unlock a single one of the the other thing in the box but it never counts as battle line yeah see things like this for me the game designers are obviously looking at this and they know how people play you know they know that when you buy a box of these models one of them is going to be a character and you're going to have one model left over and just putting in this little little change gives you that freedom of taking that extra model and being able to use it and actually able to do something with it and they've stopped the abuse of having a cheap battle line by making sure it never counts as battle line and that future proofs it as well in case sub factions and stuff unlock them and arguably you've got a unit there that doesn't count as battle line that you can potentially throw away and be a bit aggressive with yeah and even taking a single fulminator a single fulminator's arguably more killy in combat than most five wound heroes isn't he so yeah you know, absolutely yeah, I, lo- I love it. Absolutely love that change. Yeah, no, I think it's cool. Um, so rattle through the other new stuff fairly quickly because now we've been dragging on a little bit. So the Knight Judicator is the new ranged hero. He's really cool. I like him. He's got the Terminus Great Bow, range of 30 inches, just two attacks, hits on a three, wounds on a two, but it's got minus three rend and flat three damage. This is your character sniper. <laughs> 
you know, give yeah. him give him all that attack or something, and he's hitting the character on a three when you factor in the minus one to hit, wounding him on a two. Um, he's got a good chance of taking out a hero a turn if he's lucky. Um, he comes with a pair of Griff Hounds now. Griff Hound, if an enemy deep strikes within 12 inches of them, three Stormcast units within nine inches of the Griff Hounds can shoot them. Oh, wow, that's really good. Three Stormcast units? Yep. So it is really a don't deep strike near me deterrent. Yeah. Obviously, you just shoot the Griff Hounds first and get rid of that problem. But it gives your your kind of shooty armies something for the enemy to think about, which is fun. Uh, instead of shooting, you can say that he's going to shoot a do the gaze of Sigmar. He picks a point on the battlefield. Every unit within six inches on a four plus suffers D3 mortal wounds, which, again, it depends how your enemy's deployed. If they're all clumped up, that could be pretty good. I think the, the minus three rend three damage shots probably better. Artillery Stonecast. Yeah, so he's really cool. He's up for pre-order now as well, I think. So he's pretty nice. Um, we also get the new um, the new uh, infantry unit, Vanquishers. These guys are basically Vindictors armed with swords. Uh, they're an interesting one. Based on the target unit, they, they, they start base with two attacks. If the target unit's got five models, they get three attacks. If the target unit's got ten or more models, they get four attacks each. So they're pretty cool. They've only got a one-inch range, though, so you probably want to take them in small squads of five, maybe, because yeah. I think if you took ten, the ones at the back are probably wasted on those big bases, aren't they? Yeah. These these guys are battle line as well, aren't they? They are battle line, yeah. So I think but, they're a cool little five-man one. Um, there's one of the command abilities lets you recite when it when a a uh, redeemer unit, which these are redeemers, is slain once per battle. You can deploy in an identical unit anywhere on the battlefield outside of nine inches, but it has to be a maximum size of five models. Wow. So vanquishers are a good one for that. Once per yeah. game, but that could, you know, that could, you could sneakily get them on an objective in the, in the last turn of the game and, you know, change quite an outcome there. Mm. Um, they also have a musician, which lets them rally on a five plus rather than a six plus. So again, that keys into the, it's a small unit, but you've got tools to keep them alive. I um, I quite like these. I like these models anyway, but I'm thinking a unit of these with Emerald Life Swarm and Rallying could be quite a um, uh, quite tough to shift. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they've got, what, 20 attacks for five of them if you're fighting, like, large units, and y- you have got the tools to keep them alive. Indrastic and bring one back every turn. Yeah. Yeah, really like them. They're, they're pretty fun. And with that, Stormcast have got a nice variety of different battle line units. Another battle line they do have, or can unlock, are the Vigilers. So this is a new ranged unit. Now, they've only got an 18-inch range, which is not the greatest range for a, a bow. Two shots each, hitting on threes, wounded on threes, minus one rend, one damage. I mean, that's a pretty good bow profile, isn't it? It's no luminous mortal wounds or no, you know, 36-inch, hide them at the back and nobody ever shoots them. They need to get quite close. Where they really shine, if you wound a target with them, it's um, plus one to hit that target for the rest of your army for the rest of the turn. Hmm. Yeah, um, I, I like that. Yeah, I, I think you're going to see a, a unit of five of these in most Stormcast armies now just because of how, because of that plus one to hit. It's not being on specific units, it's your whole army. That's amazing. Exactly, yeah. And it's it's basically Stormcast marker lights, let's call it. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, obviously the downside's got to be within 18 inches so that's a bit more aggressive than you'd want to be with 
ideally with the 24 inch range you to hide them back as far as possible in pepper things that you want uh plus one to hit so so they are vulnerable in that respect but uh they're about 195 points for five as well so they're not cheap but I obviously it's a massive bonus plus one to hit on a specified target isn't it yeah, I guess could you use that with the um, the character? So if someone deep strikes it or enters reserves next to you, you hit them with these units to get yeah, the plus ones to hit on them. Absolutely, and that character unlocks them as battle line as well. So you could do some decent shooty armies where your opponent's going to have to be careful about deep striking near them, otherwise they're going to be in a world of hurt. Ooh, yeah. I mean, I love these models, and they'll definitely be going in my army. Uh, and then the final new model that we've got is the Storm Strike, Storm Strike Chariot. This thing is is pretty cool. Now, sadly, it's it's single, so you can't like reinforce it. Um, but by itself, it's pretty tasty. It's got 12 wounds, 12 inch move, three plus save. When it does a charge, it's similar to the ogres. It can do uh, you you roll a number of dice equal to the charge distance. Each four plus does a mortal wounds. Did someone say ogres? <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> And also, the turn it charges, it's minus one to hit as well, as it's careening towards you. There's two options. You can take, you can put a bow on it, two attacks, threes, threes, minus one, then one damage. It's all right. Um, what I'd probably arm it with is the axe and spear. Um, you've got three attacks at minus one rend, two attacks at minus two rend with two damage, then six attacks with minus two rend and one damage. These things are going to be really good. With the charge bonus as well. The, the close combat option seems like the no-brainer. Yeah, I think I think if you didn't take the bow, you'd just take a unit of of, of the shooting guys we just mentioned, the Vigilus. I think the chariot mm. wants to be in the thick of things, fighting to take advantage of all I mean, that. I can I can definitely see a benefit to having a fast-moving shooting unit, but I don't think it does enough damage to well, really. It's, it's only got two attacks doing a maximum of two yeah. damage, so, so you're better off fighting with it. Yeah, yeah chariots have always. Since Age Sigma was first coming, chariots have always been one of those units that have so much potential but are never really utilised that well. And the only thing that I don't like about this chariot is that it doesn't have a rule where, like, the Blood Knights can make a normal move and they do mortal wounds. Like, imagine, like, the, the chariot charging in, it gets stuck in, but then next turn it's like, oh, I need to build up momentum, need to charge back in so it moves and does some damage and then charges him next turn. Something like that would have been cool. But, yeah, a bit of hit and run. But even without that, I think this is a chariot that you are actually genuinely going to see on the table. Um, yeah, well, it's got plenty of attacks for when it has charged in, which is really nice to see. Because like you say, a lot of that stuff, they do the damage on the impact, don't they? Where this guy's got two crew doing a load of attacks. So, yeah, I quite like this. So yeah. before we finish as well, I want to call out that I think this is the most customizable Stormcast army they've done, just in the number of battle line units. So core out of the book, without even touching anything, both flavours of Judicators, Liberators, Sequiturs, Vanquishers, Vindictors are all battle line. So Sequiturs, I think, previously had to take a, a Lord Arcanum. Lord Arcanum to unlock them. Now they're just battle line, along with all those other units we've mentioned. And then there's lots of options to unlock additional battle line. So Knights Excelsior unlock all your uh, Paladin units. So both flavors of Annihilators, they unlock the, um, the uh, Decimators, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, so they unlock all those as battle line. The Hammers of Sigmar unlock all the Dracothian Guard as battle line. Um, the Tempest Lords have all the Prosecutors as battle line. The uh, Astral Templars have all the Vanguard stuff as battle line. 
So there's lots and lots of options for building the kind of armor that you want because thematically there's lots obviously all these different chambers you can make whatever flavor stormcast army you want and you don't have to take a load of liberators if you don't want to that's really good which was always a bit of a problem with the stormcast even in last edition here is another find a bit with the sequiturs but you still i know when you were building armies dave it was often the case that you take units that you had to take not necessarily that you wanted to take yeah i, I um always tried to have a like sequators as my battle line which meant i had to have a lord arcanum as my general um so all my lists whereas i, I try and make them a bit different they would in essence always have the same backbone yeah where this there's so many options this is something we'll talk about in the Oric book next week i think in this edition they're freeing up the way that you build armies and making it a load more customizable and for me that can only be a good thing yeah absolutely Fantastic. Well, that was a, a really good look at the, the Stormcast book. Now, it, obviously, we need to say as well that Matt has um, done a full written review that he mentioned during that um, segment. You can check that out over on spruceandbruce.com. He has also done a comprehensive look into the Oric Warclans book. That, again, is on spruceandbruce.com, and we will be talking about that next week. And our thanks once again to Games Workshop for sending both of these battle tomes so we can uh, talk about them uh for you guys here on the podcast and over on the website thanks for that matt uh we're gonna let matt take a pause get his breath back and then we're gonna dive straight in to this week's top three and so we move on to this week's top three and i know i say this pretty much every week but this was an absolutely solid top three i mean there are so many cool Oric and Stormcast units um, that it was really, really hard to pick. But as we um, spoke at the beginning of the podcast, I have condensed them down to an actual top three now um, of mixed Oric and Stormcast um, models or units. Um, so I think I'm going to start us off this week with my third choice, which is actually uh, one of the, the last um, units that Matt was just um, discussing uh, in that in that previous segment and that's the 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 vid is it vigilators i've written down but they're actually the vigilors aren't they the vigilors the, 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 the range, range. They are rangers yeah yeah they're basically rangers so uh yes they're a little bit pricey but we're, we're i'm basing a lot of this on sort of the aesthetics as well and i i love these guys i think the models look fantastic the what i like you know i, I really like the ranger kind of type units um they're one of my favorite picks from when they were revealed on that show these guys are definitely going to find a way into my army. Nice. Very, very cool. Uh, Matt, what is your third choice? So it's no surprise that I like dragons. And it's no surprise that I like big red dragons as well. <laughs> so the fact that Stormcast can take a big red angry dragon that likes fighting things and is definitely not a scion of the uh, Blood God <laughs> is a, it, it, it's a plus for me. So Karazai, the, the very angry red dragon who likes biting things i i need to paint one up i need to paint one up but uh, we'll probably see during this top three if people prefer the blue dragon rather than the red dragon but you know a magic casting dragon that's nonsense just send him in and get him to chew on things and claw things and hit him with his tail until they go away see kind of, i love both of these big dragons but i actually slightly prefer the the, the magic-y one uh you would oh, I, I, really <laughs> like I, like, I like his armor he's really cool blood uh, for the blood dragon I like I like the red dragon's name, crazy, crazy, yeah. Uh, Andy, what is your third choice? 
so my third choice is the Praetors. Um, ever since we saw them back in the Dominion preview, which seems like a lifetime ago now, um, they, they look, for me, they look absolutely awesome. You know, we've got the nice big robes, we've got the nice big solid howl birds. You know, you get the option of giving them helmeted heads or, or bare heads. And then when you read into the narrative of them being like bodyguards and, you know, this sort of stuff for your general and your unit and, and stuff, that for me brings so much character to that unit, which then gets put onto the tabletop as well. Like you can imagine, you know, um, your, your Stormcast character walking to a battlefield with three Praetors behind them and, you know, you could have it so that each of the Praetors at some point has been rescued by the Stormcast hero and, you know, they're, they're willing to sell their lives to keep them alive and stuff. And and just seeing that sort of like narrative brought onto the tabletop, the, the fact that the, the models are absolutely gorgeous. But this, these guys almost made it into my top choice, but yeah, the, the, the uh, competition is uh, extremely difficult on this one. So yeah, then they're the number third. Excellent. Uh, Jay, your third choice, please. My third choice is on the Oryx side, and it's a model that initially I didn't even look at it a second time. Really. I didn't give it a second glance, but now I really like it. It's the Breaker Boss on Maya Brute Trogoth, oh, purely man. from a modeling point of view. Um, I, I mean, I just think the the new... Um, um, Oryx, the, the the new they're like almost like gobliny, thin, evil-looking, vicious type orcs compared to the uh, the the Iron Jaws, um, and I really like the fact that they've enslaved these bigger, dumber creatures. They ride them into war. It, it, it it's a lot like the um, the trolls from um, the Hobbit, the the last Hobbit film where mm. the siege trolls. Um, but it, it's really 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 cool. This guy, if I'm right, I haven't got the Uruk Warclans book. It's just this breaker boss. You can't take regular versions of these guys, can you? No, it's just it's oh. just a named character riding one, but he's amazing in combat. And what he can do is basically bully it, cause some wounds to the actual beast itself to increase its attacks. That says. Uh, missed opportunity there. I'd have loved to have seen, because I like the Trogoffs from the Gloomspike Gits. I love those Trogoffs. They are so cool, but they are comedy Trogoffs. Um, you know, they're like comic, you know, big noses, big ears, big long arms, mushrooms growing out of the nostrils and things like that. Whereas these guys look mean and vicious. Uh, you know, when the, the orc rider not on the top, the breaker boss himself looks mean and vicious. I'd have loved to have seen other versions of this. So he's like herding, you know, blind versions or, you know, shackled versions of these Trogoffs. Uh, really sinister looking. But never mind. This guy's cool. He's my number three choice. Do you know, Jay, um, adding to that as well, I agree with every single one of those points. But also to add to that, I think across the Cruel Boys, and especially if you're looking at a big war, um, there's so many HQ choices that he may accidentally be overlooked because, you know, if, I, if I'm building a big war army and I had all of the, the models to choose from, um, you know, I might be picking war chanters or shamans over him just for like utility yeah um, synergies with the rest of your list yeah because you know i might put he's very good in combat but then i've also got the option of like more crushes i've got snatcher bosses i've got special characters you know See, I'd, uh, I'd argue though that all that stuff really is a cruel boy's army with the option of taking it in a big mixed army i think that's probably yeah. where he's stronger yeah yeah 
Probably, yeah, yeah. Excellent. Uh, we're round to our second choices, and my second choice, I had to have a dragon in here. Um, it's um, it's not one of the special dragons though. It's the it's the Knight Draconis, so the new um, character model. Mm. Um, I really like both his mount, and I also like the knight himself. I really like his sword. Um, I think the balance between the size of the dragon and the the knight himself is absolutely spot on. Um, I do want a unit of, you know, the Storm Guard, aren't they? The, the Storm Drink Guard. Guys. But I think the first box I buy, I will be building a Knight Draconis first of all. But this is it, and then that gives you that gives you a single non-battle line Storm Drink Guard to take as well. It does, yeah. And then I can I can build up some more of those as as time goes on. But yeah, definitely um, going to be building my first one as a as a knight and um, to lead my lead my Stormcast. Uh, Matt, what is your second choice? Well, for my second choice, I've gone for a horrific enslaved monster, crewed by vicious-looking goblins, and it <laughs> is the Marsh Crawler Slogus. I love this thing when we first saw it, and Dave was like, "You were like, oh no, I don't like it. It's my least favorite out of the monsters." I love this thing, and I wanted an excuse to take it, and it turns out it's really good rules-wise as well, given a passive plus one to hit to wall-friendly units, which, as we were discussing between sections, that includes Kragnos. <laughs> <laughs> these guys, do they have the monster keyword, these guys? They don't, no. Ne- neither, it does not have the monster keyword, and neither does the the the, uh, the one that you like, Jay, as well. Yeah, the, uh, no. Baker boss. I don't know how I feel about this because obviously the monstrous rampages are really, really cool, but not having the monster keyword does protect them a bit from certain battle tactics. So it does, yeah. Hmm. Do they have a degrading wound profile? Nope. nope. Oh, okay. So yeah, that's awesome, isn't it? These are eight. Yeah. Yeah, they're really good. Obviously, I think the problem if they had the monster keyword, they're easily spammable at 150 points. Yeah. So, yeah, but no, I love him. He looks ace, and all of the guys on top kind of throw nets and stuff as it passes. Yeah, weird-looking thing. Excellent. Andy, your second choice. Uh, so my second choice, again, it's hotly contested, but it's uh, Endraster, the Celestial Spear. Now, when I first saw this model, I would not believe that it was going to be coming in the Dominion box set. When I saw it, you know, looking at the wings, looking at the angelic, uh, just the pose, even the base. I mean, even the base is so detailed, but I never expected it to come in a starter box mm. or a launch box. And so looking at her, I mean, my only downside to her is that I can only include one of her in an <laughs> army. That's literally the only thing I don't like about her. I mean, she's she's got that pose. She's She looks like you know, someone you wouldn't want to mess with. But she she also looks like a leader. And obviously we, we know from the fluff that she is a monster hunter and, you know, she's only been killed by like the biggest and baddest things in the mortal realms. But yeah, look at, looking at the model, I, like, like I said, the, the only downside is that I'm only going to be able to paint her once. <laughs> yeah, she's incredible. Uh, Jay, your second choice. Um, my second choice, um, and it's these are models that when I first saw them, I knew I definitely wanted them in my eventual Stormcast army. And it is the, um, the they've got the swords. I don't know what they're called. They're like the rangers, but without the bows. The um, Vindictors. Vindictors. Or the Vanquishers. The Vanquishers, the sword guys. The sword guys, yeah. They have the two-handed swords. They're the unit yeah. that you want to take in, in units of five. Mm, they get yeah. more attacks. Yeah. 
I, I love those guys. I think they're really, really cool. They're like, um, um, they remind me a lot of St- Warcraft Stormcast knights on foot. Yeah. Not, not so. What are they? Stormwind Storm knights. Storm, yeah. Yeah. Stormwind. You know, I know what you mean. Yeah. Just your regular ordinary knight, rather than um, some of the other Stormcast units. Um, I, I think they look quite plain, but I I like that about them. If you know what I mean, like yeah. the toe down. There's nothing fancy about them. They've got a big sword and they're just going to go into combat. That's what they do. They don't look like heroes. They look like your line troops. And in an army of heroes, like you say, you've got Indraster, you've got dragons, you've got knights riding dragons, you've got knights riding all kinds of different monsters. These guys are just your ordinary Stormcast, uh, your basic tactical marine, and I like them. You know what I'm thinking? If you painted these in quite a, a drab kind of colour. These are just your, your your basic grim infantry are wading their way through the kind of cannon fodder of the enemy, aren't they? Exactly. The unsung heroes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I'll, and I like that about them. In an army of, I mean, don't, the, the six Stormcast are an over-the-top army. Um, you know, you've got those massive annihilators deep striking in, doing mortal wounds all over the top, ca- carrying shields that are bigger than most people's battle line infantry. Um, two-handed hammers. You got dragons, things riding dragons, injustice running around. Yeah, <laughs> riding dragons, not driving dragons. Um, so yeah, I really like these. I think they bring the stormcast back down to earth. Cool. Very good, very good. Uh, second choice there, Jay. We're already brown to our top choices. And to finish off, I know my previous choices were all brand new models, but my top choice for me is a classic. It's the mega boss on the Moor Crusher. Uh, I still absolutely love this model. Um, I think it's amazing. He has gone through some changes in the book, which we'll, we'll obviously talk about next week. But I still think he's incredible. I still think he's a must-take in all Iron Jaws and Big War armies. Uh, and I want more of them. And I also now want Gordrak as well. Um, I really need to get, get him in my uh, in my army. Um, so, yeah, he appears in a lot of my top threes, but the more Crusher all the way for me. Matt, your top choice, please. This was really hard. This was really hard. But let's face it, it had to be a dragon at the end of the day, didn't it? So I've gone with the Storm Drake Guard just because. I, so rules wise, arguably one of the best units in the new book. Model wise, arguably one of the best units <laughs> in the new book. The, the dragons, man. Stormcast riding dragons and proper dragons. I, I mean, you know, I like the... Um, the, the kind of Dracoline stuff, but it's a bit more, I don't know, it's not your traditional dragon, is it? Where these guys are your proper fantasy dragon with a guy with a lance riding it. It doesn't get any more, I don't know, Warhammer than that, does it? No, absolutely not. Great stuff. Uh, Andy, your top choice. Um, so my top choice has to be some sort of Auric model because my other two have been Stormcast. And I don't think you get any more orky than Gobsprack, the mouth of Mork. This is the new big shaman guy on what can only be described as a bog. Oh, no, that's the thing. Oh, I butchered it. A uh, corpse ripper vulture. A corpse ripper <laughs> vulture. There you go. That's what I'm looking for. And, yeah, looking at him, yeah, I mean, he's got the hand of a lord of change on his staff. He's got a goblin hiding behind his banner, sort of clinging on for dear life. And the fact that he's also super good in the rules is, is, you know, it ticks all the boxes for me. But the best part, 
the thing that really, really, really makes me like him is the fact that he is the only person who can supposedly talk to Kragnos. Supposedly. Supposedly, <laughs> yeah. There is some controversy on that. What do they yeah. talk about? Well, the thing that, you know, what, what, what was on TV last night, what they had for dinner, yeah, all sorts. Mm. You're definitely not a dragon. No, no, I'm not a dragon. This is a vulture. I promise you. <laughs> you look like a dragon. No, no, it's a vulture. That's feathers. <laughs> yeah, so so that's my top choice. But again, there's there's loads of loads of uh, orc models from the crew we set that could have made it to the top top choice. But yeah, gobsmacked for me. Excellent, Jake. That just leaves your final choice. Your top choice, please. My top choice, um, and I have to disagree completely with Matthew. Um, because the best dragon is the blue magic casting oh, dragon. Oh, here we go. <laughs> uh, as a big fan of Teclis and all things magical anyway, um, I really, really like the blue dragon. Um, and I really, really like the idea of a monstrous, massive dragon. You think it's just going to run into you and eat you and bite your legs off. But this one is just as powerful, uh, casting spells. And I think that's quite a unique sort of uh, you know, most of the time monsters come out and they are just powerhouses. Archeon just gets into combat, just deletes troops off the board. And it's nice to have a monster that you can use a bit differently. Uh, Teclis, in a way, is like that. You know, you don't necessarily want to be charging Teclis into combat, even though he's a monster with 16 wounds and a bunch of attacks. He brings other things to the fight. Um, so, so I like that. But I do like how you've got that sort of counterpart in the crazy dragon as well, Karazai. <laughs> um so, you know, you, you have got your fire breathing, um, troop smashing dragon if you want to take it, but you've got options. So, yeah, it, it's it's nice to see a pair of dragons released, isn't it, for the army? Yeah. And, you know, Kronis has, has got less attacks. He's got less damage output, but he's got the same tail. And yeah. that tail, I think, does most of the damage, to be fair. So if he do, does get, you know, if you try and charge him with a big unit, you're going to make sure that you kill him. Otherwise, he will wipe that unit. Yeah. And I think I think as well you can use him. You don't necessarily want to commit him to the fight straight away. Like the, the crazy dragon, it, it's pretty point and click. Whereas him, you probably want him casting those spells off and buffing the rest of your army with his abilities. But then in a pinch, you can send him into combat. So you can fall back on him rather than... Um, so you've got options. So I like him, yeah. So what, I, I think you said, Matt, that the first dragon you're going to paint is the red one. Uh, and I think I will be painting the blue one alongside that. We need red versus blue then, don't we? That's it, yeah, a dragon versus dragon, which is the best dragon. Well, we've already settled which is the best dragon tonight. <laughs> With my choice, we can do it again. Excellent. Um, so they are our top three choices. We do have one final segment of the podcast left. It's a community top three, and that's coming up next. So what do you guys, the community, think of the best Auric and Stormcast units? We're going to start over on Facebook. David Anderson, his third choice is the Humble Liberators. That's just something about a shield wall of heavily armoured warriors defending the helpless followers of Sigmar. You know, I'd actually, I wouldn't say no to a um, a revised Liberator unit, you know, based on like the new armour and stuff. Um, I know they, they, you know, they don't want to completely disregard the old models. Um because you know yeah. they are cool. Liber- Liberators and Thunderstrike armor I could go for. Yeah. Um, his second choice is the Breaker Boss on Trogoff. Everything about this unit is so thematic, and even though I'm six thousand points deep into Stormcast, <laughs> it's this model that tempts me the most to get green skins. Yeah, he's he's really really cool. Um, I can't wait to pick one up myself. And his top choice is the Knight Azrios. Az- so um, this is the uh, alternative. This is the 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 winged 
uh, hero with a lantern, basically. This model got me into the army in the first place, and the idea of a winged knight armed with only a fancy torch and his self-confidence to fight the force of darkness is just awesome. So he actually went on to explain which one it was, so I didn't need to. Um, but did anyway. Uh, Andy Sims uh, says this week's was far too hard. Completely agree with you, Andy. Um, his third choice is Astria Solbright. Solbright. Um, she was the Hammer Sigmar special um, I like Lord Arcanum. Yeah, she's really nice. I've got her to build, actually. Yeah, we did her um, for like seven quid in the hatchet sale, didn't we? Absolutely. Uh, second choice is the giant cabbage in brackets. More crusher. And his top choice is the new Knight Draconis. So very similar to my top three there. Uh, Matt, what do we have over on Twitter? So Ollie Grimwood says, in no particular order, Brute, bigger, stronger Uruks in bright, heavy armour. Seems like it wasn't just Stormcast who got reforged. Big Stabbers, the most orky way of dealing with monsters. And Grimgore's Immortals, because Grimgore's Ace and so are his lads. <laughs> just this guy you know, said the Maya Brute Trogoth with his pet breaker boss. Uh, the Marsh Crawler Slogoth with his Walkman backpack. And the uh-huh. Iron Jaws Mega Boss, an oldie but a goodie. Anonymous Rex, uh, regular viewer to the stream, says uh, number three, the Stormcast Dragon Riders, number two, the Maya Brute Trogoth, and Gobsprack. Uh, Boulizeman, sorry if I butchered that, says Gobsprack, the Scumdreck, and the Swamp Caller Shaman. Nevermore says Bolt Boys, Swamp Caller Shaman, and Killer Boss on Maya Brute Trogoth. Gary Percival says Bolt Boys, Brutes, and Sludge Raker for the Uryx. And the Dragon Hero, Dragons, and Big Dragon for the Stormcast. All the dragons all the time. Um, Wah Mouse, uh, Mouse Bait says, that new little Grot Drew dude, he's MVP. Is that the, the Stab Grot? Stab uh, Grot. I assume uh, Scrubby and Wells says Brutes, Brutes, Brutes for the Oryx and the Night Draconis annihilated with Grand Hammers and the Forminators for the Stormcast. Mr. Vincent Notley says the Beast Skewer Killbow, the Celester Ballista and the Protectors. A bit of an artillery theme there. Uh, Pete Allison says the Storm Trike Chariot, the Mega Boss on War Crusher and the Dracolines, in particular the Evocators on Dracolines. Etar10582 says Brutes, Breaker Boss on My Brute and Slogoth. Blaze of Glory, says the Knight Draconis, Stormdrake Guard, and the Lord Relictor. The Rising Ape, says Uruk Weird Knob Shaman. The Knight Venator, and the Breaker Boss on My Brute Trogoth. Um, we've got Brute, Marshcrawler, Slogoth, and Bolt Boys. And then finally, Space Hamster, says Big Stabbers, Wurzog Prophet, and the Mighty Cabbage. Excellent. Some fantastic choices there from across both armies. Uh, Matt, what is next week's top three? Well, as in the coming days, we have got a host of reveals from Gen Con. We want to know your top three model reveals from Gen Con. Excellent. So you can get your choices in by social media. Um, head over to facebook.com forward slash Spruce and Brews or tweet to us at Spruce and Brews on Twitter. Or alternatively, alternatively, wait until the Sunday or Monday when we put the, the question out for what is your um, favourite top three uh, and pop your, uh, your um, choices in the comments. Uh, and we look forward to reading them out on the next show. That brings episode 154 to a close. It's been another great episode, guys. It's been fun, hasn't it? Yeah, cool. Yeah. I'm going to paint some Stormcast. <laughs> I really want to build some Stormcast, but there's far too much to be doing before I do that. Um, so uh, I need to get Kragnos finished. Hopefully, I'll be the first thing I'll say the start of next week's podcast is I finish Kragnos. <laughs> Followed by, and he got battered by a load of Stormcast. <laughs> definitely not definitely definitely not um until next week uh have a great week of hobby and we'll speak to you all again very soon bye bye, bye.
Thanks for listening to the Sprues and Brews podcast. For more content, remember to check out spruesandbrews.com. And if you'd like to get in touch with us, send us a tweet at Sprues and Brews or head over to facebook.com forward slash Sprues and Brews.